Welcome everybody to the Robert John and the Wreck podcast. We are a five-piece rock and roll band from Orange County, California that travels the world eating local foods, drinking local drinks, and melting faces. I'm Steve. I'm Robert. I'm Warren. I'm Andrew. And I'm Henry. Welcome. Ta-da! Ta-da! <laughs> <Ba-ba>! <laughs> Week before Thanksgiving. Week 66. Episode 66. Wow. Correct. One, one day we'll get to 666, and that'll be quite the... Uh, uh, that'd be... Oof. We're going to have <laughs> we'll to park really... for 666. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> well, we've already booked him. I don't know how long that takes you to get there, but he's booked. To hell? <laughs> no, not to to episode six sixty six. It'll be in yeah, like well, twenty twenty six. Yeah, in like six years. Good. Okay. Well, Steve, that was good. My week was good, man. It was cool. I had uh, had some co writes um, this week and worked on a lot of music. I was supposed to go to New York uh, this weekend, and then with all the travel restrictions and stuff, I just kind of canned the trip. So. I had uh, a nice, relaxing, productive weekend, which was cool. Recorded a couple more solo piano records and got my Patreon kind of um, updated and worked on my website a little bit and been living in pajama pants all day today. So it's been it's been good. It's been <laughs> nice. Good. Hell yeah. Yeah. What about you, Bobby? Uh, I was uh, out in Sedona. I was out in Tucson first for a wedding, which is why I wasn't here last Monday. And then went to Sedona for the first time. Uh, that I've ever been to Sedona for a couple nights, and that's one magical place out there. I've been everywhere else with you guys, and for some reason just never made it to Sedona. And it was it was awesome. It's a beautiful place with a lot of uh, just great energy, and it was great. I had a good trip. It's like real-life Disneyland. Yeah, it's 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 interesting to see for the first time. I mean, I it's it was great. I had a really good time, and now we're back. There's also a beautiful wedding in Tucson. Nice. So congrats to Fallon and Joe, my good friends. And, uh, yeah. How about you, War? I had a pretty mellow week. Just, you know, worked on all the normal stuff that we've been working on. And then uh, I saw my mom and her new boyfriend. Had dinner with them. Had dinner with some other, saw some other family members, some friends. It's kind of just uh, did a lot of, like, little two-on-two two get, get-togethers, which was nice with a couple of people I haven't seen in a little bit. So it was kind of nice, relaxing. Again, it's like cold in California, so it just like kind of feels good to like have a jacket and even just like drive around. I actually ended up driving around Laguna for a little bit and looked at a bunch of my old stomping grounds and stuff. And and I went to Coyote. I had to go to Coyote and get calamari tacos on Sunday. It's fantastic. If anybody is ever in Laguna Beach, California, you need to go to Coyote Grill in South Laguna. And you need to get the calamari tacos. And I don't even like calamari that much. It's pretty good. But like in a taco, it sounds weird. These things are unreal. Best tacos on the face of the planet. Uh, I, I, I knew that when I said that, it wasn't right. Because there are a lot of really good tacos. You faltered, yeah. you faltered in your execution. There. I know. I know. I, I doubted it as it was coming out of my, my mouth. you got to sell anyway. it. They're really good tacos. So if I didn't sell that last part, that's that's there we go. This episode is brought to you by Coyote Grill. <laughs> and I had a coyote card, you can get like points and shit. I got points. <laughs> I had like I had like thirty dollars in points. I paid off thirty dollars of my meal and passed coyote points. I don't know what that equates to, but I probably spent a lot over the years. Anyway, enough about me. how was your week, Andrew? 
my weekend was like uneventful, but I kind of like we had a night in and we made dinner on. I think it was Saturday. We split a bottle of wine between the two of us, and I just got drunk by accident. I, it's never, it, it doesn't happen to me often, but it just hit me like a ton of bricks, and we were doing a puzzle. This is like the lamest Saturday night to get drunk, but then um, eventually I just ended up like halfway deep into another bottle of wine, and then I like looked back the next day, and there was maybe like an inch left. <laughs> Apparently we split two bottles of wine (laughs) and we just started dancing in the living room and stuff like that and getting after it and doing all the dumb things that you do if you're, you know, drinking too much. And then Sunday I spent all day with over watching TV. That was my eventful weekend. We made grilled chicken parm though. That came out really good. That sounds amazing. Nice. Did you finish the puzzle? Yeah, we did. Boom. The last two pieces were on my body. We were looking around for them for a while, and then I got up and they fell off me, so it was my fault. That's hot. <laughs> yeah, right? I was completely sober on Saturday, so I don't know how I can't relate to that. <laughs> it was weird. I was like, why am I so drunk? Like, how did this happen? <laughs> yeah, it was fun. Henry, what did you do this weekend? Um, I didn't see any pictures of it. Was what, that, no. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Don't let me get to that or anything, you know? You already said it. Or was that pre podcast? That was, that was pre podcast. Before we actually yeah. started the podcast, but <laughs> that's okay. Um, so, so, yeah, pretty, pretty good weekend. We saw our buddies uh, Sega Genocide at the Wayfair at uh, possibly one of the last shows hopefully not they have hopefully been. not yeah hopefully not uh you know um and then uh and then eventually later on in the evening i eventually wound up getting my hair flat ironed um which was interesting and uh i posted a bunch of drunk uh story updates where uh i i gave birth to my new alter ego which is kyler he's a 21 year old stoner kid that just wants some nugs you know? I can relate. I remember that. <laughs> he's got the he's got the little swoop. I had the little swoop going on. The hair was all you know crazy. It was straight. Um, yeah, it was wild. And uh, and then I just took a shower this morning, and it's about sixty percent back to normal. There's still a little bit of like some like mad scientist stuff going on, but it's kind of cool. It cool. It looks kind of cool, right? It looks yeah. like it's kind of you know wild rock and roll looking. Um, and then uh, today I actually. Uh, did something in the studio with an old bandmate of mine, which was which was actually really cool. Um, got to lay down some uh, some Leonard Skinner style lead guitar stuff, and um, I'm not sure when the release date for this is. But, uh, very excited about it. Um, it was cool to to collaborate with my buddy Eric, who uh, used to be in a band called Professor Columbo with, and uh, laid down some leads for his new song, and uh, it was. Just Super cool to to work with him again, and that's that's probably the highlight of of my week so far, and and that just happened uh, today. So yeah, it was great. Uh, nice, had a good time. It felt like I did some stuff uh, for the first time in a while, which was cool. Yeah, it was good. Enjoyed it. Right on. Well, without further ado, let's uh, introduce our guest. Oh, he is yeah. a uh, a brilliant performer, bass player, and also uh, does a lot of video work which we're going to talk about with him 
and uh, we've known him for quite a while now. And um, he's a great guy, and his name is Josh Zimmerman, and he plays in a band called The Silent Comedy. Let's bring him on. Yeah. Woo. Cheers, gentlemen. How are you doing? Hell yeah. Thanks for joining us. So, Steve, do you have the raw audio of when I was in the backstage area? No, I, I haven't figured out a way to uh, to get that, but I'm sure That's there good. was some I gold. I, <laughs> I confessed to a murder like Robert Durst, I think, <laughs> in, oh. under my breath while while I uh, went to the restroom. So, oh. you know, it's good to record that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That documentary is insane, by the way. It's absolutely crazy. The jinx, so good. And then those guys who uh, made that went on to make an amazing podcast series called Crime Town. If you guys haven't listened to it, highly recommend. Anyway, good to see you guys. Good to see you too, man. Maybe maybe a murder joke wasn't the best to start (laughs) off on. I don't know. You know, (laughs) keeps things spiced up. You know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) just coming out swinging. Coming, it's a yeah. Monday night. Swing over the fences on a Monday. <laughs> exactly. Right. How are you guys doing? It's Good, so man. wonderful to see your faces. Likewise. I'm doing so great. So I would have to to go back and, and check this, like really fact check it, but uh, I'm pretty sure that you guys were the last live show that I saw before everything shut down. I think so. Yeah, that makes you sense. Here in Nashville. Nashville. Yeah. 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 So I was quite happy to get some of your tunes in before the uh, before the world shut down. Yeah, that last run was right before March, which would be right around when everything hit the fan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And it was one of those nights I was coming off of a, a really rough schedule, and I was like, oh, I want to go see the guys. I'm super tired. I have stuff going on, and uh, I'm so glad in hindsight that I went out and said hello and, and caught some, I had to leave before the set was over, yeah. like, but I caught most of it. And so I was happy that I did that because now I'm like, Oh, that was, that was the right live note to end on for, <laughs> right on. for not seeing shows for like nine months. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. It's crazy. At least it wasn't something lame, you know, <laughs> I got some good rock and roll in my veins. Oh, thanks. Well, what are we drinking? What are you drinking, Josh? Um, I'm drinking, you know, what's funny is I had, well, I'll tell you what it is first. Um, it's one of my favorite drinks. It is equal parts mezcal and green chartreuse with just a little bit of mole bitters splashed in there. Whoa. Yeah. That's the yeah. fanciest drink ever on the podcast. <laughs> well, it's, uh, well, it's not even really fancy. It's just like we got introduced to it as a shot from a buddy of ours in LA. We were out with him going to a bunch of places and this bartender at Hemingway's was like, let me make you guys the shot that is going to sound disgusting, but just trust me. And it's half mezcal, half green chartreuse. And we're like, that doesn't sound good at all. And then when you have it, you're like, oh man, that's incredible. Hmm. So this is like a cocktail version. And I poured like two portions thinking like, okay, it'll last me. I won't have to refill. And then I drank almost all of it before (laughs) I came on. So, you know, no, no guarantees. Did you say mole bitters? Like bitters that Mm -hmm. are this flavor of mole? Yeah. Whoa. That sounds cool. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds good. I've never heard that before. That sounds crazy. Yeah. Interesting. I've had this sitting around for quite a while. I, I love it, but it's almost gone. See, that seems like it goes with the the mezcal pretty well. That seems like they go, but the the green chartreuse is quite absolutely. A... <laughs> well, the good thing is the chartreuse has that like 
herbal quality to it and then it's it's kind of sweet but it's not too sweet and balances out the smokiness it's just you know you should try it it's incredible i'm excited to try that it's not especially fancy uh but it is something that i have ordered shots for bartenders in different cities um knowing that it's something they probably haven't tried and all of the reviews have been good every time i share it with bartending friends nice so you know how often do you find they they have mole bitters? Is that something? Well, the the by? bitters aren't aren't part of the shot, you know. <laughs> That's just mezcal and, and chartreuse. Although you've got to be in the right kind of bar for them to have those two things too. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> mezcal is becoming more available in the United States as we go on, as people's thirst for it grows, which is a positive thing. Yeah, we I just had a drink in Sedona that it was like mezcal and jalapeno infused tequila. And then just some agave and lime, like a little margarita with mezcal, and it was it was great. Oh yeah, really good. I feel like my I whole beard so smelled like mezcal for the rest of the evening, but and that's not that a bad. I was, yeah, I wasn't I wasn't mad at it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Your uh, your new wife must have loved it. She actually drank most of it because she liked it. <laughs> she liked it better than her wine, so then I just finished her wine. And, Congratulations, man. By the way, I haven't seen you in person, uh, but I know when I saw you in Nashville last, we talked about it and uh, it seemed so far away then. And now your wedding has passed. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate it. It was a blast. That is great. I'm glad it happened. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's a good thing to be on the other side of. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I derailed the train, though. What is everyone else drinking? Go ahead, Steve. I'm drinking a White Claw. A lemon... White Claw, it's nice and refreshing and simple and crisp and does all the things for me. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm excited about it. What about you, nice. Bobby? Uh, I'm drinking a Robert Brown iced tea. Ooh, there you go. Uh, what is that? Yeah, in LA bitters? <laughs> no, I wish. <laughs> Actually, I don't know if I wish. I don't know how that would go. Uh, Jack so Daniels. Find out. Soda water, bitters, a lemon. It's money. Nothing, nothing wrong with that whole description. There's, there's no bad things in there. No, I, I wasn't even planning on really drinking whiskey tonight just because the weekend. But uh, we're doing some cool stuff in the future, so I had to make one. And uh, I just figured I would just keep drinking it. I didn't plan on drinking tonight at all, but you know, <laughs> I, I couldn't be in the Rex's presence without imbibing a little bit. So we'll see how my. I'm pretty sure I'm not going to make my early morning run tomorrow. That I. <laughs> what about you, War? Well, I'm not doing anything fun. I'm just drinking water, but I am drinking out of a prototype. Uh, hydro flask. You can't show people that kind of stuff. Well, this is just a one-off. This is like literally. It was just to check. Yeah, the we're not going to make that one. We would do something way cooler than this. So it, it's kind of cool. It's a unique thing, but. You know, it could be a product that would come out possibly in the future. So at least that's that's a cool. I got a cool story that my water's in something cool. I'm but. gonna speak to you in the private chat about the price at which you will part with that <laughs> prototype. Yeah. I, I yeah. want it in my cupboard. Yeah. Well, for the for the right price, you can get it, man. Hey, <laughs> it's you know, it's the VIP package, right? <laughs> what about you? what you got? I have Soda Stream root beer going on, Ooh. so it's actually almost gone. Uh, but it's just the root beer I make in my Soda Stream. 
It's good. I miss root beer. I, that's the one kind of soda after I stopped drinking soda altogether that I miss all the time is like really good root beer. You guys ever had root beer from BJ's? Mm-hmm. I remember drinking that when I was a kid. I don't drink soda anymore either, but I remember specifically that being. God, it was so. Yeah. They, they <laughs> it, we're, well, if everything goes as planned, we have a gig coming up at a local spot called Hangar 24, which is a brewery in Irvine. They're a brewery and they have a root beer that is on draft and is insane. We used to go there and we would play out at Redlands. And I used to just get root beer because it is so freaking good. And like, I think you're right, Andrew. It's kind of like an underrated, like, I don't know where it like fell off, but like root beer, a real good root beer is like, it's life changing. I don't need a lot of it. I just need enough. Look, I need like a taste. <laughs> Like a shot, a shot of beer. I can I can stop drinking root beer at any time. It's it's all good. <laughs> yeah. it's problem. You have Jeez. a problem. Is there any <laughs> Are there any are there any mixed drinks that have root beer in them? Like root beer and some sort of alcohol? Is that there should like, be. I'm I don't sure know there are. Is. I mean like a vanilla vodka with root beer kind of sounds like a root beer float. I don't know. I'm just I'm just throwing some options out there. I'm not I saying you have to drink alcohol with root beer. I'm just curious. I've had vodka and root beer, and I thought it was actually really good. Was that when you were like 16? Yeah, it was. <laughs> I met, I want to take an informal poll of you guys. We met on tour these two young ladies in the greater Baltimore area, uh, actually Cleveland, Cleveland. It's a um, way different city. Who were, who were just... Was it Cleveland? Goodness. All my <laughs> run together. You guys can relate to that. Yep. Um, they were particular examples of a type of way to live life like um, like the Tasmanian devil in real life. And they drank vodka and Coke. And that sounds disgusting to me. Terrible. And I ordered a round at the bar and I had to say that to a bartender. <laughs> And I felt so ashamed that I immediately was like, it's not for me. It's not. I, I wouldn't drink that. And then the bartender gave me this look like, mm-hmm. if it's not for you, this is a moment of shame in your life. <laughs> and it was. And it still is. <laughs> but that just sounds disgusting. Have you guys ever, have you guys ever like heard of anyone you know drinking that combo? No. no. I wouldn't be friends with them if I did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's uh that's a good call. I think it's like a mark of character in a not a great way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I'm surprised you didn't even try it. If you if you might as well have been like, no, I'll give it a shot. Oh no. There's a lot of stuff in life that I'm very confident that I don't need to try. And that's that's one of them. Yeah. <laughs> What's another one? Cocaine. <laughs> you know. There's just stuff that I know that I'm not into, and uh, or you're and it all, too into it. It all has to do. It all has to center around Coke, Coke and vodka. You know, <laughs> Coke just on its own. <laughs> and thing. Yeah, give me caffeine any day, as long as no one's drinking Coke and vodka. It's a good sign. I just could go make one. Oh man, I mean, if if you want to try it, if you want to experiment with that, uh, I'd, I'd rather do it at a different time. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I would do it for the sake of science, but <laughs> I don't even keep vodka in the house. That's how much I don't like it, you know? 
doesn't yeah. even exist in this household. Before we get too far down this rabbit hole, Henry, what are you drinking? Oh, thanks, Robert. I didn't have to ask myself what I was drinking in a Mickey Mouse voice like last time. Don't worry. Your glass looks like mine, so I'm curious. It's, it's it's actually very similar to what you're drinking, so I'm actually kind of stoked that you're drinking a whiskey or whiskey soda bitter lemon thing. Uh, I'm basically drinking the same thing, except it doesn't have lemon or bitters in it because I don't have of those things. I need to get them. Um, and my version of the Robert John Ice tea is literally the exact same thing, but I just use more expensive uh, bourbon. Uh, preferably either Buffalo Trace <laughs> or Bullet. Uh, this particular one is literally just probably like 30%, 40% Buffalo Trace, and then the rest of it is Topo Chico. Just standard, oh. regular, unflavored Topo Chico sparkling water uh, in a in a ball uh, uh, mason jar cup. Nice. And it's great. Uh, I love it. It's very refreshing. Um, not too stiff. Um, and it gets me through... Most of, if not the whole podcast, uh, without getting completely obliterated because <laughs> it's kind of diluted. Um, so it's good. What do you go. call it? Uh, well, it's just a whiskey soda, basically. Or you yeah. could call it a buffalo, buffalo, buffalo chico. chico. Buffalo chico could there be that. Go. Or you could call this a buffalo chico because it's got two very distinct How flavors. About a topolo. A topolo. Ooh, ah. ooh, that's a good one. I like that. It could be a topolo. Topolo trace, though, because it is. Yeah, a topolo trace. Topolo trace. <laughs> that's some branding that people can really get behind. Yeah. Yeah. We really need to see. start a bar. Yeah, yeah. I could see like, people ordering that. Right? Yeah, pretty much. I'm going to do that if bars ever fully open up again. I'll just go up and be like, can you give me a Topolo Trace, please? And they'll Topolo be like, I'm not really familiar. And I'll be like, oh, okay, you know, make me something that you know, you know. With a high bubble index. Nice. And, yeah. Just- <laughs> how are the, what, what's the, how are the, are the bars open in Nashville at all? Is there any outdoor stuff? Yeah. Or? Too, too much. I, I oh. think, uh, yeah, I'm not going to bars, but they are open here. Um, there's one down the street from my house that is, every time I drive by, the whole patio is just packed with people every single time I go by there. But I'm not uh, ready to go back into bars at this particular moment, even though I miss it, you know. But haven't been to a proper bar since February. Yeah, so it's in the town. You know, we had a, a tornado in March just shortly after you guys yeah, were yeah. here. Yeah. And um, that was devastating. And then the shutdown happened right after. And, you know, so much of this town runs on music and tourism. And so the town is just devastated, you know, and it's really sad. It's like I was a bartender for years and then obviously a touring musician for years. And so all of my friends in both of those industries, I'm just heartbroken about what is happening for everyone. And, and it's really widespread in the sense of like, it's not just indie musicians that are suffering. It's people who have a pretty established uh, business going on are still having a really hard time. And it just, it, it totally breaks my heart. Yeah. This town is, is feeling a lot of impact from the shutdowns, but um, so far, you know, Nashville kind of reined it in and then there's flare ups and stuff and they actually released a bunch of data on where the, um, flare ups could be traced back to. And 
uh, Kid Rock's Honky Tonk was one of the flare-up locations. <laughs> and I just thought yeah. that was very fitting. And, and I don't think it's the first viral outbreak that's happened based around that multi-floor <laughs> honky-tonk down on Broadway, you know. I'm pretty sure there's a lot of people who have caught viruses there of one form or another. <laughs> Various kinds. Most of just, yeah, just, you know, the A, a types and B types. But, yeah, yeah exactly. You know, yeah. medication has come a long way in the past couple <laughs> decades. <laughs> but, yeah, no, it, it's... Uh, it's tough for this town and uh, it's, it's been wild to see the impact of everything, but you know, people are getting creative about ways to do stuff. You know, Brooklyn bowl uh, just had built a new location here that wasn't open yet. Oh, it was supposed oh. to open in the middle of all this. And so they started doing like pretty exclusive live stream stuff there. Um, and having people kind of support in that way, Jason Isbell and uh other folks have done streams from there. And then the Ryman is just slowly starting to come back. I think Sturgill is one of the first people to do a really lockdown uh, live stream out of there. And then now they're having performances, but there's barely anyone in the whole place. And I kind of would really love to go to one of those because it'd be amazing to be in the Ryman with just like a hundred other people scattered yeah. out throughout it, you know? Yeah. But just trying to be safe, you know, I'm trying to stay stay for a while into the new year hopefully we'll see life keeps taking pulling me out (laughs) (laughs) well how is uh, how is orange county i hear all this stuff about colors from my california friends and i have no idea what anyone is talking about (laughs) well they have all these tiers in orange county and and they're all different colors it's in uh, california in general um they have the it's like a color tier system for every county and so the way I understand it is that uh, the most restrictive, which is what we just moved into today, is purple. And then you have two weeks of, uh, of you know, trend downward, basically, which is what was happening here since August. Um, so it just flared up again, I guess, in the last couple of weeks, probably because of Halloween. Um, and so it went from we were in, we were in the red tier for, I think, which is the second least restrictive and then like the the lowest is like orange before you're like pretty much fully back to normal i think orange you can i don't know exactly what it is but but basically we had been in red tier in orange county specifically for the last i would say three months roughly and then yeah just within the last couple days it sort of had a slight uptick to where the the data the, the data and um, trending percentages and, and positivity rate, which is around like three point five percent or something like that for for as far as testing, uh, as far as percentage of people who test positive, it was trending upward. And the thing with like realizations and stuff like that were sort of on a low, like somewhat of a slight uptick, I guess. And then so. Just because of all that, uh, we moved back into purple tier, which is basically my understanding of it is that you just can't have people indoors. Yeah, everything has to be outside. Yeah, everything has to be yeah. outside. Because so there was a portion of everything. time there that indoor places were open. I mean, right. you could go sit at the bar, um, but now it's back to no indoor, only outdoor. Mm-hmm. 
I think Henry should be on Gavin Newsom's council for (laughs) explaining it to everyone. That was great. That's that's all the info I needed in a nutshell. For explaining it to Gavin Newsom. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Just try to be, you know, matter of fact about it, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's been weird. It's um, Nashville stuff is strange. This county, Davidson, that Nashville is in was the – on the early maps was like the epicenter of all the cases in Tennessee and there was nothing else in the rural parts. And now it's basically the opposite. Oh, Davidson wow. has gotten it very under control and all of the rural parts of Tennessee are just exploding with cases. So it's, yeah, it's, it's um, there's a ways to go for us, which is frustrating of course. Is, but No doubt. Yeah. I mean, it, and kind of like that for the whole United States. I mean, all the major cases were on the, you know, where the highest population, like now Northwood just hit with a mask yeah. order or mask mandate, like just yeah. now, like a couple of weeks ago. It's like crazy. Yeah, it's nuts. I've been traveling a lot in the past couple of months, and it's just wild to go between all kinds of different places where everyone has a different idea of uh, what to do. You know, it definitely feels pretty chaotic mm-hmm. out there in the on the ground in the States. Yeah, and I, I would like to get into more about what you've been doing the past couple of months because it hasn't really been touring musician. Before we do that, I think we should listen to some music. Ah, yeah. do we have some ah, music? Well, listen to some. Say, well, I have something a little bit different today. Uh, I mostly do sort of in kind of the rock thing, and you know, I I just I want to spice it up a little bit. I want to sort of give yeah, credence to. All sorts of different stuff. So today we're, we're listening getting... to Creedence. No, <laughs> I, I thought we were going to listen to Creed. No, no, I was no, like, no. "Oh, this is going to get great." With arms wide open, well, baby. If you're expecting out of those things, you're going to be sorely disappointed. But if you want to hear good music, you are going to be <laughs> the opposite of that. Hey yo. Uh, and so today I am going to be talking about this really really cool record uh, that I was just reminded of by a good buddy of mine. Um, Got to give a quick shout out to our buddy Alejandro uh, here in Orange County, Alejandro yeah. Pareja. He's a fellow guitar player, songwriter dude. Uh, showed me this record, I want to say that was probably a year ago, and I kind of forgot about it. And he's showed me a lot of really cool records. Um, the record I'm talking about is called Deodato 2. Uh, it is a solo record. It's the second record by uh, Brazilian keyboard player Ilmir Deodato. I, I think I'm saying that first name right and the last name right. I'm, I'm not 100% sure on that. I was looking at some pronunciations while you guys were talking, and I couldn't really find any sort of solid like thing. Uh, but anyways, it's, it's by this, this Brazilian keyboardist. Um, and what's cool about this record is it features uh, John Tropea, who is a very, very notable uh, session guitarist on four tracks. And the song I'm going to feature today features the legendary Stanley Clark on bass guitar who is uh, known for doing return to forever and a million other things. Um, One of the greatest bass players of all time. I don't think that's an exaggeration. I think a lot of people would agree to that. Um, There's, there's some cool covers on this. Uh, uh, He does Knights in white satin in a jazz fusion version uh, by the moody blues. He also does uh, Rhapsody in blue, the George Gershwin classic. And he also does uh, Do It Again by Steely Dan on this record. Um, But the song that I'm going to showcase off of this 1973 jazz fusion, jazz funk record is called Skyscrapers. Um, 
And now it's not clear to me who played drums on this, but there were two drummers on this record, uh, and it was Billy Cobham and Billy Cobham was in uh, multiple things. He had a really illustrious solo career, and then he also did Mahavishnu Orchestra with John McLaughlin. And then Rick Murata is probably most famous for having played drums uh, in Steely Dan and tons of other people, uh, Aretha Franklin, James Taylor, Paul Simon, John Lennon, Hall Notes, all sorts of people. So this is this record is basically kind of this all-star lineup of really awesome session players just playing this really cool, um, you know, there, there's there's a really cool sort of Latin music influence to it, but it's all super duper funky and lots of really great solos and really cool ideas, uh, really cool harmony, really cool melodies. Um, it's it's instrumental and it's just like super cool. Um, I don't really know what else to say about it. I, I love this record. Uh, ever since I was reminded of it last night, I've been listening to it pretty much all day. Uh, so I hope you guys enjoy this. Uh, this song is called Skyscrapers. It's off the 1973 record Deodato 2. Uh, enjoy.
Man, that's uh, just when you think the horns can't get any better, they just keep getting better the whole time. I love horns so much. Yeah, super yeah. funky little patterns there too that they were they're pulling out. Yes, I, I love that too. Uh, that whole record is a. I mean, it's just got like the musicianship on it is just phenomenal and uh, and super cool. Like it's like it's it's uh, the vibe all there. Um, I mean, that was a long song and it seemed to just kind of go by it had that very infectious group that you don't really get tired of you kind of just wanted to keep going and it sort of propelled itself forward and uh the jamming was was super duper cool and interesting and the tones were super interesting and cool and um you know obviously the horn parts like you said uh super exciting and like just like whoa okay this is kind of kind of crazy kind of crazy yeah. man kind of crazy sounding i gotta say henry your history segments are awesome because like i listened to the peter green one uh just recently and it's so great because like you hear about him as a footnote on the history of fleetwood mac and so many people don't dig into the music that he made Mm -hmm. as much and uh it was so refreshing for me to hear those tracks that you selected from his catalog it was like super super cool what you're doing I like Thanks, it. man. I, I take a lot of uh, a lot of pride and a lot of joy, and uh, you know, this is like this has kind of become another project for me, uh, especially amidst all the the quarantine and and all that sort of stuff. It, I've sort of doubled down on uh, doing it and and doing my research and looking at stuff and really kind of getting into it. And and I don't I don't like to showcase stuff unless I have like a really um, you know I don't want to sound like a poser, right? I don't want to talk about something. And go, yeah, this was super cool and blah, blah blah. And then people ask me questions about it, and I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> Like it's like being a you know I don't want to be the kid that wears a Led Zeppelin shirt and doesn't can't name a Led Zeppelin song basically, you know. Led I, I have that. <laughs> I thought they were just a brand at Target. <laughs> uh, yeah. I have like that uh, paint. where like even in my own record collection, there's a lot of stuff that I got passed down to me. Um, if I'm just playing vinyl, it's it, my collection is not here. It, it's at my other place. But like if I'm just playing vinyl i'll hit on these tracks even from records that i know and be like oh shit like track number five on side b is incredible so it's so cool that you're like finding those little gems and showcasing them. that's really really neat yeah there's just there's just so much good shit out there that people don't know about uh myself included so you know it's it's mind-boggling to me the amount of music that i've been exposed to that i think is amazing that i never would have even imagined existed and then to think on top of it like i already i i I can't even you know like like i could talk for a year straight about all the great music that i love that's you know amazing and and there's still more out there that i don't even know i i haven't even heard yet nobody's even told me about i can't even conceive of the existence of uh there's just so much good shit out there that that people don't know about so uh, that segment on peter green totally did that for me because i don't even like music that much most of the time (laughs) uh, in the past 15 years but uh i mean i i love it i love it so much you know mm-hmm. and could also I, talk I about you. it i know what you're saying for years like that just listening to those songs that you selected for that thing brought me back to that place where i was like oh man i did this and like i also just love what music can do like the yeah 
survive the place that it can put you in. It heals, you know. It's 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 the closest thing we have to like actual magic. I mean, it is like yeah. it is some seriously magical shit. What what good music and playing music and the whole ritual. It's magic. It is seriously like it's like a spell and it's magic and it's good for your spirit and it's good for your body and it's good for your mind and it's just hearing the uh, thing. those guys talk in those those particular Peter Green sessions, hearing those guys talk in the studio in between, it's like like time travel, literally, you know, like you feel like you're back there in that room with them, which is so cool. And it makes me wish that we included more little studio banter in in our records, you know, I love that stuff. It's so good. Uh, That that was the, that was like, that was kind of a convincing point because I was, I was between about five or six different songs that I was like, before we did that particular episode, I'm like, oh man, there's so much good Peter Green era Fleetwood Mac. Like, which ones do I even pick? And that song had that. There was like this hilarious little com, you know, like like banter at the beginning of that song. I was like, yeah, I have yeah. to, I have to do this song. Like, this is such <laughs> totally. a, an intro, you know, that slow blues, and and it just, uh, it's just so iconic, you know. And it's it's it just you know exactly if you know what Peter Green sounds like, you know exactly who's playing it immediately. Yeah. I mean that. When I found out about that era, uh, it was you know several years ago. Uh, that was just that was just immediately a huge impact on me. Just hearing that song and knowing that it existed, and um, I had actually never heard that particular version, or at least if I had heard it, I hadn't heard or listened to the you know, the little banter. And I love all that stuff. I love the little weird snippets of stuff because it is it is like time travel. Totally. And I'm sort of, uh, you know, I sort of consider myself uh, born in the wrong generation. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm definitely, I think in my, in my soul, something of a child of the, you know, 60s and 70s, because I just, I have a huge uh, passion and fascination for just the overall vibe of that, that era of music and just everything kind of motivating all that sort of stuff and the sound and um you know how do they get the drums to sound like that how do they get the guitars to sound like that what you know what were they using and i'm just i'm obsessed with it it's it's just the coolest thing so i love digging into all that stuff well and yeah. speaking of uh great music and uh how what music can do for people uh let's talk a little bit to you joshua we uh he you play in a band currently still called the psychometry which uh, we've got to with multiple times in a couple different regions. And uh, I don't know what year it was, but I got to play with you guys when I was playing drums in a garage band at a place called E-Vocal in Costa Mesa. Absolutely. Uh, long before I think the rec was even around. Um, I don't even know what band I was playing with in when, you, when I first met you, but um, you've been doing it for a while. Tell us a little bit about what's going on with the band in the past couple of years. Yeah. That, uh, that e-vocal show is infamous in our band's history for several reasons, because not only we met you, we met, uh, buddies of ours who later formed Mississippi man, which mm-hmm. I think the band that you were playing with, whose name I also can't remember. I think it was an earlier iteration of some of that, wasn't it? Yeah. Were think- those guys on the bill, there's either there's either two things either it was the American Gypsies when Luke was when I was playing drums with Luke, or we had moved on to different bands and we were both on that same bill 
uh, would have been as pithy sweet, but one or the either way, we were all there. Been the same, yeah. And the other thing for our band is my dad was there at that show and interrupted an in progress break in on our trailer while that show was happening. Where like oh, yeah. uh, you know, Evoco had a little kind of patio outside, yeah, and you could see across, and our whole rig was parked in that parking lot across the way. And isn't isn't that where Wayfair is now? That's across the street. Yeah, right? Yes, yeah, so yeah. it's that parking lot. Mm-hmm. And uh, my dad had glanced over and saw guys at the back of our trailer trying to cut the lock. And he jumped over the little uh, partition that Evocal had stuff like little bushes mm-hmm. or whatever and ran across the street and started screaming at them. And they got in this whole altercation and they eventually just ran off. But that, that kind of lives in infamy. Wow. in our band lore because you know we've had many attempted break-ins on our rig but that was one that actually got thwarted in the moment by my uh my six foot four nordic looking <laughs> dad <laughs> so yeah that was a great uh show but yeah like you know we've been uh, the silent comedy's been around for a while and we i think we officially started i've been doing a lot of more uh digging into the kind of history of it now, now that we aren't touring as heavily, because you guys know when you're in a heavy touring zone, it's like time loses all meaning and things just blend together and your life is moving very quickly. And you don't really have time to like sit down and be a historian about stuff. But like, since we haven't been touring as much, I've been trying to dig back into it a little bit. And so I think we officially started in 2005 which is crazy. Crazy. Um, that's when our first show was. And it was a really casual band in the beginning. And we used to be a lot different than we ended up being later. Like we early on, had, we became known very rowdy shows, but early on we were like very acoustic coffee shop kind of band. Um, and we quickly grew to a rowdiness level that coffee shop would not abide by and uh, <laughs> moved into the dive bar world. And then we got too rowdy for dive bars, which is saying something. And, you know, early on in those days we had like, we would sometimes have like 14 people playing and very few of them mic'd, but we'd have like a horn section of guys just scattered throughout the dive bar. Like I remember this one dive in San Diego that was very, iconic back in the day a trombone player was on the top of the bar like playing trombone and you know breaking glasses and stuff and that's how our band really started and then the tales of these wild live shows grew and reached the deaf ears of los angeles and uh, eventually people started to to be like oh, there's you know we maybe should check out and see if we can get out of one of these shows without getting stabbed or something. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and then, you know, we ended up getting into that kind of LA world and getting representation and whatnot. And then I, that evocal show was very early on in our development. And then what we found quickly was that like, you know, there's bills that get set up by promoters and just a ton of people get slammed together and, it is what it is. And, you know, no one has that good of a time. And then there's, when you find people that you really enjoy playing with, you like their sound, you like them as people, then you try to like grab onto those people and go through this journey together as much as you can. 
and I think like you guys are just those those people, you know, like regardless of what band you were playing in uh, at that show, it's like we met some guys who were like, okay, I think uh, these are our kind of guys. Like, let's try to do more stuff with them. And then over time, we just, we always have tried to do as much stuff as we can together. And the difficulty of touring is like, you can't always play with your friends. You know, <laughs> that's always what we yeah. got bummed about is we'd, we'd be on, a big touring run and we'd be like, Oh, we miss our buddies, you know, that we need to play with. And so we'd always try to find ways to do bills together again, because we just missed you guys. And we love your sound, you know, we we'll hope to do it again. One yeah. Hopefully, hopefully so. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting. So, I mean, I'll have to say I, I kind of ended before the, the beginning the silent comedy for people who don't know, we tour really hard for, you know, roughly 10 years. And we had a lot of great experiences with that. We had basically the best times of our lives. And then a lot of, uh, it's a pretty complicated story, but a lot of like industry things and personal things all converged, uh, that made us kind of step back from touring and pursue other stuff in life. And, you know, I moved to New York, everybody else was in Southern California still. And, uh, we kind of just went on hiatus for a while. We did a tour of Europe with some of uh, your buddies over there, who, uh, which was great. And then mostly since then, we've just done kind of one-offs and like festival plays, kind of fly-in plays, like handful of shows here and there. But we haven't really toured pretty hard in, in, since 2016. You know, it's been an interesting development as people's like priorities change and everyone has stuff that they value in life and things kind of have to do. But I think, uh, just recently, so my, my brother and I, who my brother, Jeremiah is the other, uh, main songwriter in the band. And he and I like write all of the material. And then we're also the, the kind of two front voices if people are familiar with the catalog. And, um, we've lived on opposite sides of the country for like six years. So I just finally succeeded in, uh, getting him, here to my new home in Nashville. And I think what's already happening organically is that uh, we're already tracking some stuff. Like he's barely unpacked boxes and we're already tracking some different stuff now. So I think, you know, I I can't really say exactly what the future of the, the group is as far as being super active, but now that he and I are in the same city, it's definitely going to be more active than it has been for a while. Awesome. Yeah. That's exciting, man. Hell yeah. That's the short story. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 before you were even booked to hang out with us, I was driving to Tucson and I didn't know what to listen to. So I just listened to your whole entire catalog. Uh, I'm sorry. From start to finish. And uh, I love it. And that's uh, why, I, you know. Thanks, dude. Um, yeah. I, I think you guys know how it is. It's like when you get done with the thing that you're really excited about. You will never be a fan of that thing for probably like at least 10 years <laughs> after it gets put out. Uh, or I don't know. I don't know if that's other people's experience. I can but totally attest to that. <laughs> totally. Exactly. It's like, you know, when you're in the studio, you're so focused on a one project. And then once it's out, you're like, Oh, I wish I would have done 8 million things differently. But for us, like the last record that we put out enemies multiply was definitely 
the thing we were trying to do the whole time, you know, mm. earlier albums, we get real frustrated with the production quality and everything. Cause we just didn't have the resources to try to represent what we do at the live show. And the last record is certainly like the thing we're, we're happiest with. Uh, and then we have a bunch of unreleased stuff from that same session that we're hoping to put out over the next like year, Hell yeah. uh, just for people's enjoyment, you know, people who dig it can listen to it. Awesome. Where did you guys record that? So we did, um, we did a pretty extensive search of finding a producer that we really vibed with. Cause that was a, a missing piece in our whole deal is like the live show was wild. And then the records just didn't represent that because we were so limited in the studio. And it was like, you know, it's hard to, um, it's hard to represent in a studio what we do live. And I'm sure you guys can relate to this is like when there's people drinking in a room and there's a collective energy that happens and there's all kinds of things happening in the room. And then there's speakers moving air and the whole deal is like, it's really hard to put that on a recording and have it have the same feeling. So we went through this long search of trying to find producers that could help us capture that. And, um, our management really wanted us to work with someone in LA and we did a ton of test sessions with really amazing producers in LA who were incredible, but no one really put their finger on the sound that we were looking for. Mm. And we met this dude, Frenchie Smith in Austin, who was just mutual friends with some of our friends. And they, you know, we went and hung out mostly with his girlfriend at the time and then she was like, oh, my boyfriend produces. Like, you guys should meet him. And we're like, oh, yeah, that's cool. And, uh, you know, we've definitely heard that a lot before. <laughs> and then we went over to their house, and there were, like, gold records on the wall. And we're like, oh, shit, your boyfriend, like, really produces stuff, you know. And um, we met him, and he's just this wild character who is an amazing rock and roller in a way that is very rare in our modern era, like, I feel like he's a, a being that exists out of space and time. Like he's mm. just this incredible rock and roll. And the first show that he saw us play in Austin, he came up to us afterwards and we talked for like 40 minutes about crazy stuff, uh, kind of ideas that he had about how our sound should be represented. And we'd never heard those kind of ideas from anyone before. So we started working with him. We loved what he was getting from the sound. And then over the course, of like a year and a half we kept coming off the road back to austin tracking with him for like two weeks here a week there a couple weeks here and made the last record we put out enemies multiply and then the ep that preceded it friends divide but we also recorded like 24 songs in that time and out of you know i think it's only like maybe like 15 that are it in the releases, so we have other stuff because we got pretty weird. We got <laughs> we got real weird in the studio. Some of it may never see the light of day, but uh, some of it we want to we want to put out some of the weirder fringe stuff, even if it's just like on Spotify, just for people to enjoy, you know? Because we got pretty funky. Nice. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. There's just no reason not to anymore. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Like you can you have the freedom. Just jump in, any of you guys. Jump in and interrupt me because I'll just I'll just keep talking. Well, I I will. Um, I would love to if you can. I don't know if you can or if you can't, um, but kind of expand on what you've been doing for the past few months. You said you were traveling around to a bunch of different 
curious. Can you tell us about what you've been doing and where you've been going and where is it? Yeah, totally. So even before the silent comedy really existed, my passion was really in film, which is why the band has the name that it has, you know, it's like going back to this Buster Keaton, Charlie Chaplin kind of thing. Once we stopped touring really heavily, I started pursuing that again. And so I've had a, a pretty, I essentially transitioned the touring lifestyle as far as amount of time on the road and whatnot uh, into the film world and kept traveling as heavily, but just staying in much nicer places and <laughs> making a better living, you know? Uh, but I really kept, because that's what I love the most. Like that's what I miss the most is being on the road. And uh, I was able to essentially keep that same lifestyle and transition into visual media rather than as, as much audio. Um, so I've been doing pretty heavily for the past few years and, the last couple months, unexpectedly, I ended up getting brought in to help shoot this show for ABC that's going to be coming out in the spring or, you know, February, March-ish area um, of this coming year. And I did not anticipate traveling a bunch during the pandemic, but I ended up doing like 10 different states in two months. Wow. And I've been spent a lot of hours on the ground and in the air and... Uh, was pretty paranoid and fortunately have had all my COVID tests come back negative, which I'm very, very thankful for. And yeah, I've been just running crazy for the last couple of months. And it is wild to go from, you know, all my projects had gotten canceled over the summer. So just sitting around for the first time in years for months and months, and then to go from like zero to 60 again, unexpectedly was kind of wild so for both my girlfriend and i uh because she's in the same line of work it was a weird adjustment for us like we thought we'd have a slow ramp back into normal and it wasn't like that at all like we just went from sitting around the house to like every client calling wanting to do stuff wow. and um it's been kind of wild and then in the midst of that i also shot a quick uh video for my buddy the bones of jr jones who's music i love and he played with us at pappy and harriet's yeah i can't remember yeah. i don't know if that was the last time we played together we might have done a casbah show since then i can't remember but um when we did pappy and harriet's together he played with us and he's an amazing like one-man band musician yeah. who is just blows my mind and um so in the midst of all this other work i just stopped through upstate new york real quickly and did a quick video with him which should be coming out in like a month so yeah yeah that, that happy show that we did i for, even forget when that was i don't i'm not good with dates i i only years. know i know it was 2016 because i know it was uh jumping yeah. off it was okay. uh it was february 13th 2016 there we go wow steve. yeah wow steve goodness i've been i've been going through the uh our, our band dates and trying to keep track of our past dates as well <laughs> I found a file. I found a Word doc yeah. with like years of our show history. And I've been meaning to send it to all the band guys to be like, this is why we can't remember anything yeah. from 2010 <laughs> to 2015. And it's crazy. When you look back at it, you're like, holy shit, we, we have lived a road life. You yeah. Know? It's it's nuts, man. I'm 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 thinking about taking right now. I just have it as a text file, but um, and we have we have it up on the website too. But it's outdated. But um, 
<laughs> I kind of want to put it into a spreadsheet next time I'm bored and don't have anything yeah. to do just to see like how many times we played, you know, Nebraska, you know, how many more times before, we played before LA we played LA. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Totally. That's actually and, true. That's a funny. Yeah. <laughs> That's I how we, I normally we, organize stuff. Like I remember Pappy and Harriet's because we were so rusty before we went to Europe that we had to add more dates before we got out of the country. Mm-hmm. And so we obviously do San Diego. We're able to make some money to pay for tours there. And then we, you know, we'll try to do a couple shows around that to get ready if we're going to do multiple shows. Yeah. And uh, so that's how I remember that. I'm like, oh yeah, we we needed one more show before we headed out of the country. <laughs> and we and we played the Casbah with you guys on January 30th, 2016. Too. Yeah. So it was it was right Hell before yeah. uh, right before the Pappy show. I love looking back through yep. old dates and stuff, man. It brings up so yeah, many memories. Awesome. Oh man, I miss I miss the Casbah so much. You know, like uh, I was just in San Diego. So the end of the end of this whole crazy route that I did shooting the show because it ended up extending a bunch more than I anticipated. So it was a lot more travel than I thought it was going to be. Um, the end of it was I basically went straight to California to move my brother out here to Tennessee. Um, so also with that came all of our band gear, which we'd had this, this storage unit. I didn't even realize until the guy at the front desk told me, but we'd had the storage unit here with all of our stuff in it and, um, comprising, you know, eras of our life. And so it was pretty wild to dig through all of that and pack it up and haul it across the country. But, you know, when I think about San Diego, it's like, I was definitely ready to leave there when I did, when I moved to New York, you know? Um, but I really miss the Pacific ocean and I really miss the Casbah those are probably like the top two. And then I really miss San Diego Mexican food, which is, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. something that a lot of people can relate to. Mm-hmm. And so every time I go back, I try to get my fill of those as I can, but it's a shame. I really wanted, <laughs> my dog decided to pay attention to me for a second there. Um, I really wanted to, to do the Casbah is now doing uh, live stream stuff to fill the pandemic time. And I really wanted to do a set there, but unfortunately the schedule to try to load up all that stuff and and haul it out was just too tight. But I'm hoping that before all this is over, we'll get to do a live stream set there because they're archiving everything. Um, And I just want to be a part of that because that is our, you guys know, it's like no matter where you go and, and where you play around the world, you kind of have your favorite home club. And like Mm. for us, the Casbah is that, and it'll never it'll never be eclipsed in that uh, place it has in our hearts, you know? Yeah. We've been happy to have you guys there with us over the years. Cause uh, that's what we try to do is like, it's a uh, great home for us that we try to bring our friends in and share that space with us, you know, cause there's just nothing like that certain kind of rock club. Absolutely. Well, and if you yeah, guys well, want to do it and you need to borrow gear too, like hit us up, you know, we're, we're hey. close by. Be, be careful what you offer. Bringing it all out there, yeah. We're, we'll we'll be around. Sounds like a good time. Yeah. We had multiple backlines in that in that storage unit, and they're now gone. They now exist in Tennessee. <laughs> <laughs> so that so when we go to Tennessee, we can use your backline, right? Hell yeah, absolutely. Anytime. Right. We have too much. Off. 
we have once once we packed up all these vehicles i was like god damn i forgot how much we've acquired over the years like Mm -hmm. i own i have a little you know i call it a passion some people might call it a fetish for road cases (laughs) and i own so many road cases most of them custom built that it it was insane to me to discover when we unpacked this whole storage unit because it was like it's like bigger than this uh, room. Obviously, visual on podcast is good. Um, it's like bigger than the room that I'm sitting in now. And I kept uncovering things and going like, oh, I forgot about this road case. I love this road case so much. <laughs> so we got a lot of stuff. You're I think I was, to it. I was talking to you about road cases before we got into that world. And you kind of led us into that world of how to do that and I love and them so much. That was like, okay, how do we get another one? Like, oh, that's 400 bucks? <laughs> Ooh, I don't know. Can we afford that's, that? That seems like a lot. <laughs> that's a tough thing. It's, um, you know, they're expensive, but it's like when you have once, so my brother and Justin, so, you know, my brother plays guitar and keys and then Justin plays banjo and mandolin and stuff. When they started getting into vintage amps, that was the turning through where I was able to convince them because I was man, when you spend all the money on this vintage amp that is so one of a kind and beautiful, like don't throw it in the back of a van, you know, you gotta protect that thing. And even coming out here, there were a couple odds and ends that didn't have cases where I was so scared for them. We tried to like put them in the cab of vehicles. Cause I'm like, Oh, this little champ from 1960, whatever, like it can't get, hit with anything you know you gotta be careful with that stuff because it is really fragile and and you have to sort of make a make sort of a distinction between like what's the stuff i'm comfortable bringing on the road that i feel like is going to be able to withstand these rigors because it because it is rough on gear i mean it is it is rough uh i i i basically custom built a guitar to play in this band and i took it on one tour and after just one tour it was like barely recognizable you know from the instrument i brought with me like the the pickup covers were all it was this strat and i i still it's not not was i still have the guitar but just from the condition you know i literally it was like a parts caster that i put together it was literally brand new when i started playing it with the band we took it on like a couple like literally it was maybe like one full tour and then you know uh a year of random fly dates random driving dates festival dates here and there but but pretty much one full tour by the end of it i looked at the guitar i was like man these frets are destroyed like <laughs> the pickups are so rusty like the 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 um you know the, the nuts and bolts under the uh the volume and tone knobs are totally rusted like i totally fucked this guitar up and i literally just got it that's uh that's to me one of my favorite things about yeah. the whole deal you know, yeah. you never want to bring your really good stuff yeah. on the road. But like, I, I bought bases specifically to get destroyed, mm-hmm. and I just realized when we went back to move, my main P base is like my workhorse on the road. I already knew that the headstock was cracked through. It was like a matter of time before it just splits in two. Oh, but I realized when I was packed up for this trip, I was like, "Oh, the body is now separated." which I can't remember when that happened. So that must have happened in the, in the past like year. I, I don't even know. The body is starting to separate into like one of the three pieces of wood that were put together is starting uh, to come apart. And, 
it's incredible though. It's like all of the memories that get mm-hmm. imbued in that piece of wood over all that time. Like to me, those are some of my favorite things because yeah. I'm not that good of a musician. So <laughs> all of those surrounding things around the gear are the things that I love the most. It's like the stories and the beating that it takes yeah. and the, you know, all that Let's stuff. to write your own story on that instrument. Oh, absolutely. You, you Can you guys hear, hear my dog? Uh, he has learned in the course of COVID that when I'm staring at the computer and talking to it, that he can go whine in the kitchen where his <laughs> treats are and try to bribe me to give him something. So he's been a, a bit of an extortionist for the past like 10 minutes. So I'll, I'll be right back. Have something. Oh, man. <laughs> That's the dog we've had on the podcast, right? No, it's not. Oh, yeah, you had your, Elvis your pretzels, I, I bro. Was, uh, I was dog sitting, if you remember. Elvis pretzels, yeah, man. Yeah, I was, yeah, Elvis yeah. pretzels, my mom's dog. Oh, my God. That is an adorable dog right there, I got to say. Yeah, he's great. He's definitely he's a handful, but I love him. Yeah. What, uh, what kind of dog is he? He's half beagle, half miniature pincher. I saw the beagle in the... Mm-hmm. the face the coloring and uh also apparently which i didn't know before we adopted him uh, apparently the super emotional yep separation anxiety thing is a beagle trademark which it is we, we had no idea <laughs> a good friend of mine has a beagle and and freaks out whenever they leave and and it's just super emotional anytime anybody yep. leaves like it just gets super attached to other people and as soon as they come back, it, it like yells at you. It's like, it's a good character trait for a dog whose parents basically travel nonstop <laughs> when they <laughs> aren't shut down. But he's, he's crazy, but he's good. He's, he, he's been loving the good time. I'm sure. Um, but he's gotten much worse in his, separation anxiety yeah. over the course of all this because he's like oh we, we're not just going to sit around the house all day together all the time <laughs> so yeah it's it's a little bit crazy but he was we adopted him in new york and he was raised for the first several years of his life in the city so now the fact that he just has a yard to run around in is like a huge 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 game changer you know wow that's awesome yep do you guys still have your place up in the the mountains? Yeah, so uh, we got rid of our, our place in the city when we moved here, and um, I had bought a place in the Catskills. I probably had talked to you guys. I know, like, Robert, at least I had probably talked to your ear off about wanting to get a farm somewhere yeah. uh, when we were touring really heavily because – just that thing like you guys know how it is is you know southern california is not a cheap place to live and when you are on the road constantly you start to um think about like uh you know like why do we live in a super expensive place so i really wanted to live in a more rural spot ended up in new york city which was not really my plan and after a couple of years there i told my girlfriend like oh if if i'm gonna stay here for any amount of time i need a place that's accessible that i can get out of this vibe because i just i don't love a super urban setting to live in you know it's just not my vibe um so i bought this place in the Catskills, and then i renovated it 
mostly myself, about 80% myself um, over the course of a couple of years. And yeah, we, we kept that place. So, and, and we always will because there's just something about the cat skills and I certainly am not original in saying it at all, but like, there's something about that area that I just fell in love with and just connects to uh, my soul, you know? And I think for us, like inspiration wise, when you think about the work that the band did there, it's like, I'm not that terribly far from where the big pink was, you know? And like, mm. yeah. Um, awesome. It's just, there's something special and mystical about that area. I, you know, it might be, I mean, there's some weird energy vortex. <laughs> I, I think there's something about new England in general. That's, that's kind of mystical. Yeah. Um, like my, my parents live in Maine and I, I spent two months out there, uh, this summer. Um, initially I was only going to go for a month, but, uh, my mom had to get surgery. So I wound up staying there for, for two months to kind of help out around the house and sort of pay, pay it forward a little bit. Cause they've been super supportive to my music career the whole time. So I just thought, well, now is the best time for me to kind of take an extended time off out here and sort of help out. And, uh, there's just something about that part of the country that's, there's like a really cool energy to the whole thing. And especially when you get further up North, like, like they live in mid coastal Maine and it's, it's kind of swampy, but it's very, uh, you know, tons of trees everywhere, tons of, uh, evergreen trees, fir trees, different, different sorts of stuff is very densely kind of populated with all sorts of plant life and, and animal life and stuff like that. Like, like it's very uh, kind of kind of gives me this impression of like this ideal version of like coexistence basically because there's so much nature there there's so you know so many wild animals sort of doing whatever they do and then people kind of living salt of the earth there and then I I guess to ask another question is what what part of New York did you live in when you lived there? Uh, so. When I lived there, we lived in the center of the city. Oh, um, in Manhattan? It's it, not in Manhattan, but it's a neighborhood that I don't say very often because the name is very misleading. But we were basically directly across the East River from Midtown. We were okay. like right, right over in Queens. Yeah. Um, okay. And right on the border of Queens and Brooklyn, like I lived yeah. at the base of the bridge that connects Queens and Brooklyn. Oh, okay. Um, my Very office cool. is in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. I could just walk there from my house. And we we're five minutes from Grand Central on the seven line. Okay. Um, and so, mm-hmm. yeah, we're like super central in the middle of everything. And because yeah. yeah. I've gone to uh, I've gone to Brooklyn uh, pretty much every summer for the last five or four or five years, basically. Yeah. I, I have friends out there, and now my brother lives in Bedsty. Yeah, um, and I, that's, where the, I, that's where the cool kids are. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and I had multiple friends that were in uh, Bushwick for a long time as well. Yeah. Uh, so I'd go out there and, and visit them. And so I'm Yeah, for me, there. like, Greenpoint is still my favorite kind of uh, area mm-hmm. of, of the city. And, and I, I loved cool. it. Yeah, I loved it so much. My office is there. And, like, when I go back, that's where I go to you know, connect with my places that I love. Like I got to go get slices of poly G's, yeah. like the new slice shop there yeah. and then go to like little neck outpost and all this stuff in, in Greenpoint. But you know, it, it was an interesting period of time. I just am not in the school of people who fall in love with New York. You know, mm-hmm. I think I, I came yep. to it too late in life. I'd already traveled the world by the time that I went there. 
and so the mythos of being the greatest city in the world like is lost on me it had already not, faded basically yeah, by that point. It's, it's not true like i hate <laughs> yeah. to workers, but, uh, it certainly is not the greatest city it, in the world it's fun to visit when you have friends out there right like yeah. i could yeah. never live there ever it's yeah, fun but it's just it's just big you know it's, like it's most of the scary. things honestly it's kind of scary yeah like most of the things people talk about as positives for it have to do with its density not right. its character and right. like for me if I talk about a city I really love, it has to do with like this character. Uh, you know, that's a whole separate conversation. But <laughs> so the place in upstate, I still have and I love it. And so, like, uh, you know, the bones of J.R. Jones, Jonathan, um, lived, he lived within walking distance of me in the city and then also has a place upstate, like half an hour from my place up there, which is close by upstate New York terms. Um, and so that was another cool thing as well Is like, uh, you know, we had met in LA back in the day playing together and I really love his music and he's pretty much the only musical person I knew in New York. Um, I hung out with the, uh, the guys from, um, oh goodness. Now their name is going to escape me right now. Um, I hung out with this other band that were Brooklyn based, but they ended up moving down here, down to Tennessee. Um, and they're really I wasn't involved in the music part of New York much at all, except for my buddy who do does Bones of J.R. Jones. So still that Catskills area to me is like, that's the place that kind of resonated and struck this chord with me that will like never go away. And so I always want to keep that place there and I try to get there as much as I can. It's, it's not as much now. Um, but I definitely try to still go up there because I really love that area and it's really special. And then it's, Mm -hmm. it's in the midst of this Renaissance and it's only accelerated by COVID of like, there was already a website called escape Brooklyn. That was all about upstate real estate have people Mm -hmm. who are leaving Brooklyn and getting out of the city. And that's, there's been this migration of like cool people moving up to the area (laughs) And it's only accelerated with what's happened now. And so the real estate market there has gone insane since I bought my place. And um, it's a really special part of the country. And I I think it has been for a long time. You know, it's like founding fathers had places up there back in the day. So it's called people for quite a while in in this country. Mm -hmm. And I feel pretty happy to be a part of that tradition. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's it's really cool. Uh, I I went to upstate New York when I was when I was really young. I think I was maybe like nine. Um, I've been going to the East Coast, specifically Maine, for a long time. And I was a big. I'm still a big baseball fan, but I was like a huge baseball fan when I was a little kid. And so uh, my parents surprised me as part of our annual East Coast trip to go to the Cooperstown Baseball Hall of Fame, and uh, got to see a lot of the sites in sort of upstate New York. It was and and I awesome. I. Just from you explaining it and like having the experience of like going out there, I sort of like there's like an energy there that I I just I know exactly what you're talking about. Totally. There's this totally like I I don't want to say intangible, but it is. It's like an intangible thing about that area geographically that's just so it really, cool. It really is, and like uh, you know, I kick myself for not having been there. Like we're saying, like being a person out of time. Like, I wish I would have been there back in the day, but it's still now in, in the hindsight of all that history, like there's the Levon Helm Memorial Highway yeah. that I pass 
coming off the thruway every time I go to my house and I just have this little moment of recognition to be like, man, this is where the band wrote some of their best material. And like, yeah, this is, you know, and, and the wild thing too, of like, this is where Dylan went to get away. This you is know? where he wrote tears of rage. Yeah. And, and like and, to know, escape. All that bit. That's where like his motorcycle accident was like, that's where he went to escape the world that was closed on him and there's something just so beautiful about that and, and it's still you know it's that area has gone through and it's a much longer conversation it's gone through many peaks and valleys and some downs of its uh development over over the decades but there's something there's some through line there that is just very special and there's still a lot of wild artists like my only real neighbor that you can see from my house is this older woman who's been there for like 35 years, who is just an oil painter. And like, that is her profession. Wow. And she's just lived there for 35 years. And I think that's so awesome. You know, like it's this place where people are still doing their thing in a very specific way and they can survive doing their thing only three hours from you know, one of the most expensive places on the face of the earth, you know, so it's cool. Yeah. I have a lot of good things to say about the Catskills. Cool. Not, not so much New York city. You know? <laughs> yeah. So I have a personal question and just to change gears a little bit. Yeah. Um, I know that you are a um, very big fan of Big buck hunter. The first time I went to New York city, Josh brought me to a bar in Brooklyn and we played Buck Hunter for what seemed like about like two and a half hours. Probably the um, Yeah. It was a blast. But my question to you, now that you are spending more time in Nashville, did you find a place to get your Buck Hunter, you know, <laughs> out of you in Nashville? Do you have a bar that has oh. it that you would frequent before bars were shut down? Oh man. So this or is, is it this still a, is it still an ongoing pursuit of yours to find the perfect bar in Nashville that has Buck Hunter? This is a complicated question. So, well, that's what we're here for. <laughs> uh, so, one of my favorite bars back in the day when I would come to town, um, I can't, I honestly can't remember if it had Buck Hunter before, um, but it was bought by a couple of dudes who I happened to, I don't really know them, but tangentially were kind of connected through the craft cocktail world. These couple of very, well-regarded cocktail guys from New York. Um, he used to run milk and honey in New York, bought this dive bar that I loved so much here in Nashville and used to come to all the time. Uh, every time I was in town, because I loved how kind of beautifully untouched it was like smoking indoors still, uh, you know, as a lot of places have here and just this incredible kind of space. But last time I was there, when it was still under the old name, I had brought my brother to town and we were traveling doing some film stuff. And I was like, dude, I, I love this bar. You have to come. And we went there and we we're having some beers and we were deciding, we we're like, ah, oh, should we have another round or should we go back to our Airbnb? And at that moment, a bar brawl broke out. That was so epic that we heard all this commotion. We turned around and that, cause it's a pretty big place. And like 15 guys were punching each other and like someone got thrown against the wall and a neon sign got shattered. And we were like, 
I guess we're done. I guess we're not having another <laughs> round. Like that's it. And we walked out of the place. They, they shut the doors. And that was the last time that that bar was open under that name. Wow. And these guys from New York bought it right after, because after this whole big ball, they kind of shut the bar down. So all that to say, now called Riverside Lounge. Um, and I still love it. And it still has a lot of the same personality. They now have Buck Hunter. And I can't remember if it was there before. Like, I, I truly can't remember. But that is my favorite place to go to play Buck Hunter. I don't know if you can smoke in there anymore. Um, I'm really not sure. But it, it basically, have you guys ever been to the White Horse in East Austin? The White Horse? Usually in Austin. Yeah. Where- Oh, I want to take you guys to the White Horse. That's one of my favorite bars in the world. Uh, it basically has the same feel as, as the White Horse. Um, just like low pretense, good times, like a really cool spot. But that's that's my favorite place to play Buck Hunter in town. I haven't found another one. That's my only place to play Buck Hunter. And I might have to put a machine in my basement if, yes. uh, you know, <laughs> if places don't don't pick up that that uh mantle you know what was that place called before it was called the riverside lounge do you remember i do let me just double check oh man all my nashville cred is just brawlers or something right now um it was named after oh wow that took me to a different thing on google it's named (laughs) after the neighborhood that it is in in east nashville which was actually they lost part of their roof when the tornado came through and the bar, the guys who bought it, who own it now have a craft cocktail bar right behind it. And the two fatalities in that area, when the tornado came through were people who worked in the bar, which is uh, terrible. You know, it was called, I'm going to pull it up. It was, it's right by the basement East, uh, which also got destroyed in the tornado. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, it was called Edgefield Bar and Grill before it was taken over because mm. that's the neighborhood. So I just had to search for the uh, neighborhood name. It's like this little historic neighborhood that's right next to Five Points in East Nashville. Nice. Well, awesome. where Thanks where did you used to stay? I, uh, oh, we usually I, stay. Well, we've stayed a lot more in East Nashville. So we've been stars so over there. So I was curious if we had been to that bar and uh, it was uh, Edgefield. No, I doesn't sound familiar but Edgewater sounds familiar but yeah it was uh it was a kind of wonderfully seedy place for many years and i just go there and like i don't smoke cigarettes anymore but i have nostalgia for that era in my life and so my friends would be like why do you want to go to this place that has all the cigarette smoke i'd be like because i love it still you know like i love for my jacket to smell like that for five days after you know um (laughs) So I still have a lot of uh, love for it. And the guys that took it over have, you know, they fixed it up in ways that were just basic to make it feasible for a new era. But, like, they didn't change the personality of the place too terribly much. Um, probably better security now. <laughs> but <laughs> less less bar brawls. <laughs> but, yeah, it's, it's still a great place to go hang out. And they have Buck and, and I haven't, uh, you know, I haven't played since early this year so i'm terrible now uh, only one way to fix that exactly you gotta <laughs> get one machine in, your in my basement that is the <laughs> primary way to fix it and i will i'll take a clip from this and i will 
send it to my girlfriend as a petition for the holiday season. <laughs> I'm looking up right now how much they are. Well, you can get a wireless it's game. It's, oh, no. It can't be a console. It's got to be a console. Oh, They're dude. Not they they have one on eBay, eBay for 1700 bucks. Yeah, there's one for thirteen hundred bucks. Yeah. They're not like it's the not newer ones, but like under two grand for that because it's like a pretty big arcade game. You know what I mean? Honestly, uh, under bad. under two grand for a lifetime of quality enjoyment. <laughs> is, you know, so I, I think you guys have probably witnessed that Justin, our banjo player, and I had a long running rivalry in every city that we would go to, if we could find a buck hunter console, we would compete against each other. And it got very heated and very intense <laughs> over many years of touring. And I think Justin is, Justin is better than I am legitimately, but I have more <laughs> flair than he does. So my, my main thing is in like the stance of the whole deal. Like yeah. to me, it's kind of a performance and it has an energy to it. And I'm not the best, like, player justin's a better player than i am but i certainly have more pizzazz <laughs> so you don't you, you haven't been leaving your initials across like buck hunters across the nation if we go into one should we look for and are you an initials guy or are you like trying to make a word sort of guy no i'm definitely an initials guy and i certainly have spread my seed over the over the country <laughs> but uh Really? You know, they, certainly, they certainly haven't uh, lasted, I'm sure. And we had this buddy, too, who lived in Sacramento back in the day, and then in LA, and then in San Diego, and then back in Sacramento. Really amazing guy from, like, the bartending world. But he was, like, a legitimate buck hunter, buck hunter champion. So oh, he wow. would host tournaments, and he had a card. He had his own special card that he would put in the machines that would pull his like profile up no matter where he was. That's a level that we never attained. But for <laughs> us, it was just like good, clean fun on the road, you know, uh, which, you know, good, clean fun was the minority of what we would do on the road. So <laughs> you got to take it where you can get it. Like in, in lieu of taking communion and going to church, we played by <laughs> That's like me and Warren with, uh, with dartboards. Yeah. It's time there's a dartboard. We got, we got to play a game. Darts? Oh, yeah. Darts. Oh, dude. So fun. <laughs> so I know where to go here next time you guys are in town for that. Villager. Is, so we went to a place by, and they smoked indoors, and they had a bunch yeah. of dart. Do you guys remember the name of the bar? I don't remember. It's It might be Villager. It really might be. I, I love that bar so much. One of my favorite places in town. And Was it's it a serious of- dart bar. Was it kind of by the five spot in that area? Was that where we were when we were doing that spot? I think we walked there from the five spot. Mm. Didn't we? And there was like, you know, there there was a place. It was like the place with like six legit dart boards. So that might have been the old Edgefield. Okay. uh, Oh, really? That is is now Riverside Lounge. That one was pretty CD. I think that was, yeah. Yeah, because the Villager is a place that I love, but it's more in town like by the college um and it's tiny like if, if the place that you went to didn't feel super super tiny Mm-mm. then it's not no. the same same spot you yeah. might have gone to the old edgefield like my yeah, uh, my baby. favorite sports bar yeah. oh that's awesome because <laughs> they have a lot of dark words in there for sure and it's walking distance from the five spot absolutely well yeah 
You know nice. exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Awesome. Then you then you know the vibe. That's the place <laughs> I, I live on Hunter. It's Perfect. funny because I can totally picture like a huge brawl erupting where we play. Yeah. So like this is big because that yeah, room yeah. is large. Yeah. yeah, big room. And it's like it has that intimate dive bar vibe, but it's a big space. Yeah. It was like yeah. almost one side had like a diner in it too, and yeah, like yeah, there's food yeah. in one whole side. You totally were at Edgefield. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. And uh, so Villager, man, ah, this is just making me so excited for non-COVID times. <laughs> uh, next time you guys come to town, we got to go to Villager. Yeah. Uh, I love that place so much, and it's like a serious dart bar, and then it also just when we back in the day, we would come through Nashville and we had friends here. And so we would spend like a couple off days in town. And that's kind of how I fell in love with this city. And one of our friends that we would stay with lived right by villager and she would go to work during the day. So we would just go to villager and they have pitcher specials. So we would just sit there. They have a foosball table and the dartboards and we would sit there for eight hours and just have pitchers and play foosball. And it was incredible. Like some of the best off days we've ever had as a nice. band were in that place. So next nice. time you guys come to town, we got to go to Villager. Nice. We will. We'll plan on it. Oh, yeah. And uh, thank you so much for hanging out with us this evening, Josh. Yeah, it was bro. great to uh, catch up with you and talk to you. And Thank you for hopefully, having me. Um, Hopefully yeah, some guess. people uh, will will go listen to the silent comedy and understand where we're coming from when we say great. I uh, I look forward to uh, very much playing together sometime in the future, some indeterminate time in the future. Because when we think about, you know, one of the things that's happened since we don't tour super hard anymore is when we're going to do shows, basically we build them around who we want to hang out with. And so like you guys are always at the top of that list and uh, right on. we, we miss you. We miss the music. We miss you guys as people and I uh, can't wait to hang with you again. Definitely man. And uh, before we play a silent comedy track to in this thing, uh, what do we have coming up? Gentlemen, we have, well, yeah. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> take two. Uh, we have a big announcement on Thursday. We have some surprise uh, holiday sorts of packages coming up. So um, stay tuned. Uh, subscribe to our social medias and our email list and all that fun stuff because we do have a lot of cool stuff coming out for the holidays. You're not going to want to miss it. And for uh, everyone from Southern California, we do have uh, two shows coming up that are outdoors and hopefully will still be happening um, unless anything else happens. And that's on the 28th at Hangar 24 in Irvine. And uh, the next one is December 5th at the Wayfair outside in their little beer garden. So we'll keep everyone updated. But as of right now, those shows are still happening and we're looking forward to them. So we hope they happen. And they are they are both outside, by the way, and they are both socially distant, so they are uh, trying to follow the safe procedures to make sure that everybody is safe. So, mm-hmm. um, and uh, Saturday is the broadcast stream for the uh, for the Toto live stream. Oh, that's right. Two uh, coming. Steve up. is 
this going to be this playing weekend. with a little band called Toto. Yeah. Their live stream. So uh, there, there's links in the descriptions to everything. Uh, go check out Henry's History Lesson. Go check out uh, all of the... Uh, go follow Josh and the Silent Comedy on Instagram and check out their music on Spotify and all of the good stuff on their official website as well. What track are we playing by Silent Comedy to end this thing? Uh, so I think I sent you guys Avalanche from yeah. the latest uh, record, which is definitely more rock and roll than a lot of our former stuff. Awesome. Well, cheers, everybody. Cheers Thank you for tuning you. in. Thank you for listening. And we'll see you next week. Cheers.